also is if you want to take out your um, handouts this morning, I just wanted you to notice that at, you'll find the outlines. Um, they they're uh, single page. They just that's just how it worked out this time. And then there's the homework. And then after the homework, um, these are just some questions that I uh, had them print off for you. For you to take after the lesson today, these will make sense to you. Maybe just take some time to be alone and think about these. Just take this before the Lord. Talk to him. Um, Just some questions for you to ponder that will help um, as you prepare for the busy season that's coming up. So that'll be back there for you. So let's, oh, and then one other announcement. We're going to end our discussion groups at, um, let's aim for... 1045 this morning and then just come back maybe you know any one section here and we just want to pray for Cameron and and uh, Cassidy this morning Lori um, is already gone she's visiting uh, family for Thanksgiving but we just want to take some time to pray for you um, and we thought it might be better at the end since it'll be through tears so um, if we can those who are leading the groups if you can just uh, keep an eye on the clock And so we'll end discussion groups at 10.45. Got that? Okay, thanks. (laughs) All right, let's pray and then we'll begin. Father in heaven, it is such a joy to be here this morning. We thank you for all that you have done to bring us to this place. Most of all, we are thankful for Jesus. Father, thank you that you sent your son to die in our place. And in exchange that we have eternal life, that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And Father, as we open up your word and uh, listen to what you, the words that you spoke, Father, I pray that we would be humble before you, that we would hear the things that you have for us, And, uh, Father, that we would learn from you. We thank you so much for your word, for not only its instruction to us, but, Father, for the hope that we find there as uh, we come to you uh, with your word open this morning. We just pray that you would teach us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn over your notebooks and... Julie, why don't you come sit up here so you can see a notebook? She's here for the first time today. I just want to make sure that that you feel like, or, or next to Suzanne. I, sorry, I didn't see you, Suzanne. Just, just scoot over. Can you just share your notebook, the back of your notebook with her so that, she, so that she knows what we're talking about? All right, so turn over your notebooks, and uh, we're going to look at our Wellspring purpose and our disciplines. <clears throat> so our purpose in meeting together is to equip and encourage one another as women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd our hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word of God so that we live out gospel-transformed lives, thus, or for the purpose of, strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Last week, Suzanne helped us grow in our understanding of what it means to shepherd our hearts She reminded us of what we are aiming for when we shepherd our hearts. It means that we faithfully 
and eagerly guard, lead, feed, and train our hearts to obey God's word, to dispel fear from our hearts by drawing near to God, to know God's character and love for us. Are you remembering that connection between shepherding your heart and living out gospel-transformed lives and how it affects our church? When we choose other things over shepherding our hearts, caring for, watching over our hearts, it doesn't merely affect our own hearts. It affects others as well, as we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So let's stop and evaluate. How are you doing with the disciplines in light of our purpose as you remember your role in strengthening the church? Do you need to be encouraged? Do you need to be challenged? Do you need some spurring on? Do you need to be reminded once again of what your heart needs most? Discipline number one tells us that we are to shepherd our hearts with the word of God in order to meet with and love and worship and be in awe of and become more faithful to the God of the word. That starts by being consistently in the word. Is this becoming a natural part of your day? Do you wake up in the morning longing to be with your Savior? Do you look forward to that time with him whenever it might fit into your day? If not, are you disciplining yourself to be in the word, knowing the treasure that you'll find there? If so, as you are reading, are you shepherding your heart to him. What are you doing as you're reading God's word? Are you drawing near to God to grow in your love, in your worship of him? What about the rest of your day? Are you dwelling on, meditating on what you've read? Are you are you caring for your heart with the treasure that you found from being with the Lord? Are you finding that the time that you've spent with him is causing you to better see your sin? Are you then quick to, re- <clears throat> excuse me, to confess and repent and remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for that sin? Is it causing you to grow in your appreciation for the grace that he gives us? Ladies, if we are not doing this on a regular basis, We're like a dry well. We will be women without much to offer others. How can we strengthen the church if we are not drawing from him? We can't. And so we must be in his word. And we must be purposeful in caring for our hearts with the wonderful truths that we find there. And then discipline number two shows us that the next place that we need to be most impacted outside of our own hearts with the word of God and with God himself is with those with whom we live. It's important that we remember these are the relationships that we are to care for first. That the time spent with our Lord 
overflows into the way that we live and care for those in our homes. That because of our time with the Lord, our hearts are prepared. Our thinking is in alignment with God and his word. And Christ is seen in us in such a way that it impacts those in our homes. Our children, our husbands, our roommates, our parents, our grandchildren. They ought to gain a sense that their home is a place that is centered on the gospel. Now we all know that that doesn't just happen, does it? That will occur only when we are thinking on the gospel. And when we are purposeful in bringing it into our household relationships, it is a purposeful choice. And then from there, discipline three flows. The woman who shepherds her heart and cares for those in her home will also have an impact on those in the church and outside of the church. She will be impactful because she has been feasting on God's word and because she is a woman who knows her God, because that is her intention, to grow in her knowledge of him as she reads his word. She will be impactful because she brings love and grace and truth to those she's with. It's important for us to be reminded of these things this morning and to keep these in mind as we look at our lesson. So would you turn with me to Luke 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. And as you turn there, I have some questions for you to ponder. We're going to be talking really about all three. We're going to be talking about our hearts, our homes, and our ministry, our service, how we serve others. So do you ever feel that in your ministry, your service to others, to your family, to those outside of your home, seems to involve endless preparations and tasks? Are you ever distracted by all of the demands and preparations required of you? Do you ever feel alone in your care, in your service to others? Do you ever feel frustrated with the people God has placed in your life to care for? Do you ever feel that no one is really, no one else really values or is sensitive to the many demands of your life? Again, whether in your home or outside of it. Do you ever judge those around you when they seem to be oblivious to the many demands that are placed on you? Do you ever wonder how you will get done everything that needs to be done? And have you ever felt that your service reflected your love for Jesus, but at some point you lost sight of him, the very one you desire to serve? If so, then you will be able to relate to Martha. And because it's so easy for all of us to relate to her, we need to hear Jesus' words this morning as he addresses both Martha and Mary. So let's look at our passage. Let's start in verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his words. 
But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So as we look into the lives of these two women and think about Jesus' words to them, we will find that he has much to reveal to us about our own hearts and what it means to be a servant and what will distract us from God-honoring service. So I want to begin by first looking at what this passage is not about, because it will help us, it will help us clarify Jesus' intent in this passage and not minimize what it has to reveal to us about our own hearts. First of all, this passage is not about personality types. Have you ever ta- heard it taught that way? I have many times. And the fact that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his words does not mean that she was unwilling to serve. The point of this passage is not for us to to help us learn how to be balanced between Martha-type ministry and Mary-type solitude. And it is not that we should be unconcerned about serving. Rather, in this passage, Jesus focuses on the choices we make. In verse 42, Jesus said that Mary had chosen the good part, and the implication is that Martha had not. So let's look at these women, Mary and Martha, two sisters. Mary is the older, I'm sorry, Martha is the older and Mary is the younger. They have a brother, Lazarus, who will soon die and then will be brought back to life by Jesus. You saw that um, from chapter 11 in your homework. Perhaps Jesus, in his interaction here with these sisters in Luke 10, is preparing them for that very trial that they will soon face. Now, I know that this is a very familiar narrative to most of us in the Word. Who doesn't identify with Martha, frustrated with all of the work that's before her? And who doesn't admire Mary for her devotion to the Lord? However, this morning, as we look into the lives of these two women, I pray that you will look at them with fresh eyes and look carefully at the words that Jesus speaks to them. We will find in them what will strengthen our service and what will distract us from a service that will bring honor to God. As we do, I believe that we will gain new insight into discipline number one and its interconnectedness with disciplines two and three. Why we must never neglect bringing our hearts to the word of God and remembering his truths throughout our day. Now, as we look at this passage, you'll notice, first of all, that there's no mention of servants, which would have been very common in that day, implying that all of the household responsibilities of hospitality fell to Martha and Mary. 
And remember, they didn't have the conveniences that we do today. So let's look at verse 38. In this verse, we see a heart to serve. See that number one on your outline. Now, as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So Jesus apparently met Martha in the village, perhaps in the marketplace, maybe as she was getting ready for her day and gathering the things that she needed to um, take care of for that day. And when Martha saw Jesus, we know that she invited him to come into her home. Do you see Martha's good intentions? She welcomed him into her home. She wanted to serve him. Now that obviously included a meal, and most likely it also meant providing a place for him to stay while he was in that village. And the idea of welcomed means that she received Jesus into her home for the purpose of showing hospitality and kindness to him. That word communicates that she wanted to shower him with goodness and kindness as she met his needs. That desire was good. I believe it's evident that Martha loved Jesus. And yet there is great warning here. We can have the best of intentions to serve and to extend kindness to those in our homes and to those we invite in. But good intentions do not guarantee a good outcome. We must not be deceived into thinking that good intentions are good enough. Because we all have the potential to undo our good intentions if we are not careful to watch over our hearts as we serve others. We must guard against that undoing by choosing the one thing that Jesus said is necessary. So now let's take a look at Mary and learn more about her choice. We see that in Mary, a heart Engaged. That's number two on your outline. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Did you catch the simplicity of what we're told about Mary? She had a sister called Mary. That's all the information that is needed for the setting of this verse. Because all of the because I'm so sorry, because all of the weight is on the action that follows, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. This sister sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary decided, desired to be with Jesus. She was taking full advantage of the opportunity to listen to him. The Son of God himself was a guest in her home. Now, as a woman, Mary had every cultural reason not to be seated at Jesus' feet, listening to him. She had every reason to be with Martha instead See, a woman serving a rabbi in that day was her common role. But here, Mary was assuming 
and preferring the role of a pupil, a student under a rabbi. That was unusual, and it helps us understand her strong desire to be with Jesus. Notice that this action on the part of Mary is all that we read about her in the passage. Yet, it is the main point of the passage. Mary understood the priority and the privilege of being with Jesus. When she saw that Jesus was about to speak, Mary turned from everything else to sit and to be absorbed in what he had to say. This was a woman who was shepherding her heart toward Jesus Christ in order to take in his words because she knew that they revealed more of him to her. That takes purposeful choice. She chooses to be free from distractions, even the good distractions, in order to choose the best. Mary understood that nearness to Jesus was her good. She was very intentional in her choice. And we must learn to be intentional in choosing to be near to Jesus as we take in his word and allow it to affect our hearts. This will happen when we, like Mary, understand the treasure we find in knowing him. Now, let's compare this with Martha. We see in verse 40, a heart distracted. That's number three in your outline. The verse begins with, but Martha. Now, when we see the word but, we know that there is a contrast coming. We just read about Mary seated at the feet of Jesus, but Martha was distracted. What a contrast. To be distracted means to be drawn away. Martha had become over-occupied and too busy with her preparations, and she allowed them to draw her away from Jesus. The word distracted here is passive. It's a passive verb, meaning that she didn't fight against it. Martha did not bring herself to sit at the feet of Jesus because she allowed allowed herself to be distracted by the preparations of a meal. Instead of keeping the focus she seemed to have in verse 38 when she welcomed Jesus into her home to show him kindness and to serve him, she so quickly allowed herself to be pulled away from Jesus. In addition, Jesus described Martha as worried and bothered in verse 41. To be worried means to be anxious or troubled about something, to be overwrought, on edge, or fretful. And the Greek word for for bothered is turbazo. It's the word from which we get our English word turbulence. Now that gives us a pretty good picture of what's going on in Martha's heart, doesn't it? Martha is troubled and all stirred up and she is visibly showing agitation. Worried shows us that there is inward fretting going on, while bothered shows an outward agitation 
that led her to excessive activity. And what is it that had Martha so distracted and worried and bothered? Let's look again at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. Now it's so important as we look at this verse that we understand again it wasn't wrong for Martha to desire to serve Jesus. It's not wrong for us to serve those in our household and those in our body and our neighbors. Serving and working hard in service is good. In the early church, women were known for their service. Paul in Romans 6, 16, 1 and 2 commends Phoebe, who was a servant and a helper in the church and to Paul personally. In Romans 16, 3, Paul refers to Priscilla as his fellow worker in Christ Jesus. Acts 16, 14 and 15 tells us that Lydia opened up her home and extended hospitality to Paul and to the church. In Luke 4, 39, we find that immediately after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she got up and she waited on them. She served them. These women are not in any way rebuked for their service. So our passage is certainly not communicating that we should neglect serving or extending kindness. In fact, look up just a few verses. Look up to verse 33, right before our passage. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus had just taught that we need to love others by what? By our actions, by serving our neighbor. Serving reflects the image of God. We were created to bear that image of Jesus as one who serves. See, hard work was not Martha's problem. And you know what? It's not our problem. That is not what spoils our service. What spoiled Martha's service was a heart that was not anchored and steadied and fixed and riveted on Jesus and his words. Instead, we see a heart that was distracted and swept away by much preparation. Look uh, look again at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted by all her preparations. Literally, she was distracted by much service. Jesus said to her in verse 41, You are worried and bothered about so many things, meaning more than what was necessary. Martha put an exaggerated value on excessive service, and she was distracted by all the things that she thought she needed to do. Now, we all know that we can miss the heart of serving our families and others by being lazy. But we can also miss the right heart of service by being distracted and thinking that we must do too much by doing the things that are unnecessary. When our hearts are swept away by preparations and they are not anchored to Jesus, 
That is when we lose our focus. That is what happened to Martha. She was distracted by her excessive service, and in doing so, she totally missed what was necessary. She missed the good part. She missed the opportunity to learn from the one she was trying to serve. And we, like Martha, may very well become distracted and worried and bothered by an inaccurate view of what we think we need to do. But that's not all we can get carried away with, is it? Let's stop for a second and ask ourselves, what other things can tempt us to sinful distraction and worry? Is it when we're trying to please man rather than God? That could have been a temptation for Martha, right? Being concerned with what other people thought of her servants, her service? Proverbs twenty nine twenty five calls that the fear of man. And it tells us that the fear of man brings a snare. It easily ensnares us into the same kind of turmoil that we see in Martha. We can become prone to distraction when we are selfish, wanting others to serve, or excuse me, wanting to serve ourselves in any situation. When we want things done in our way and in our timing, And we want everyone else to be as committed to serving our agenda as we are. We are also, we also are susceptible to becoming excessively concerned with what others are doing or not doing, maybe to the point of judging them or being embittered toward them when we are not fixing our eyes on our Savior and the privilege of knowing and serving him. We must guard against becoming more concerned about what we get done than with how we get it done. And we must guard against the temptation to use intimidation or manipulation or nagging because getting something done becomes more important than being like Christ in that moment. Ladies, if we desire to grow in grace, to grow in holiness of life, we must be on our guard so that we are not carried away by the things that will take our focus off of Jesus. When we don't guard our hearts and we allow ourselves to become distracted and swept away from Jesus, That is when we miss out on what Jesus calls the good part. When we do, rather than displaying our love for Jesus, our service becomes a display of our misplaced priorities. It becomes a burden. Working hard is not wrong. Having a heart that is swept away from the one that we are ultimately serving That is terribly wrong. So let's think. Whose choice was this? This distracted and worried and bothered heart. There is no one that Martha can blame but herself. By not fighting against it, she chose 
to be distracted. And we have that same choice. We must realize that when our hearts hold weakly to Christ, it is because we choose it to be this way. Martha chose to have a distracted, worried, and bothered heart. And it didn't stay confined within Martha. Her sinful distraction bore bitter fruit. And if our hearts are in the wrong place, it will soon produce bitter fruit as well. Let's look further at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him. Now remember what Jesus is doing here. And it says Martha came up to him. Now that term implies that there is a sudden suspension of her activity when she saw that her sister had left her to do all the serving alone and was just sitting there at Jesus' feet. Martha obviously thought that she had made the right choice. And Martha assumed that Jesus would have the same evaluation of the situation that she did once she pointed it out to him. And so Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching. And what was on Martha's mind? Let's finish reading the verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Martha is looking for someone to blame. That's the bitter fruit we see. First, she finds fault with Jesus. Listen again to her words. Lord, do you not care? She accused Jesus of being insensitive. Now, Think about that. Jesus, remember, where is he on his way to as he stops in Bethany? He's on his way to Jerusalem. In about four months, he would be hanging on a cross. And in Martha's self-centeredness, she asks him, Don't you care? She blamed him for not caring enough about her to send Mary back in to help her with her excessive preparations, but rather allowed Mary to sit at his feet. And Martha didn't stop with blaming Jesus. She also reproached Mary for abandoning her when she said, My sister has left me to do all the serving alone. It's evident by her actions that Martha's heart was not set on being near to Jesus. All because she was distracted by her preparations. She was not at a place where she could even begin to evaluate her own heart. She was completely blind to her own sin. All she could see was what she thought was wrong with all of those around her. Ouch! Do you see what we are all capable of? 
See, it would be easy, but we can't just sit back and think, oh, I can't believe that Martha would think so highly of her own agenda. But the truth is, I do that. We do that. Do you see the sin we so easily fall into when we neglect to shepherd our hearts to Jesus continually? We can easily allow ourselves to be distracted, all stirred up in our minds, carried away in our emotions by our excessive expectations of what we think needs to be done and what we expect others to do to help us. And when we do, we sin right in the middle of our service. It's easy to fall into the temptation to look outside of ourselves and to look for excuses and even assume that we know others' motives and make accusations against them and even toward God himself. We see that same accusation in Mark 4. If you want to turn there with me, we're going to look at verses 35 and 36. It says that it was evening, and it was getting dark, and Jesus had just gotten into the boat with his disciples. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Did you hear their accusation? Teacher, don't you care? How quickly we can draw wrong conclusions about God based on our circumstances can't we? This accusation reveals the disciples' heart just as it revealed Martha's heart, and often it reveals our hearts. There is a great warning for us here. Our hearts can so easily become self-centered, so focused on ourselves at the very moment that we need to be focusing on and trusting in Jesus. It shows us how critical it is for us to be soaking in his word so that we don't forget him throughout our day, so that our thoughts, our responses, our hearts reflect what is true about him. Look again at verse 40 of Luke 10. When Jesus said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? We see here that Martha had become so self-centered. She was concerned with one thing, that she was left alone in her excessive service. From Martha's perspective, Mary had deserted her. 
And there is one other thing that Martha's words reveal. When she said to Jesus, do you not care that my sister has left me? She's indicating that Mary had been serving. But Mary, unlike Martha, knew what part of serving was necessary and then was willing to stop in order to be with Jesus. She understood the right priority. She had prepared what was necessary, but then left her service to listen to Jesus' teaching. But meanwhile, Martha felt entitled to Mary's help. She couldn't see that Mary had left for a good reason, the right reason. And we see that in her words to Jesus when she said, then tell her to help me. She told Jesus what to do. One commentator says that Martha took a stance over Jesus, forgetting who she was and to whom she was speaking. She forgot that she was his servant and that he was her master. At this point, Martha had become convinced that Mary should serve her rather than be with Jesus. She felt entitled to it. Do you see the pride in that? She thought she knew what was best for everyone. And just like Martha, our sinful pride can make us susceptible to judgment and to all kinds of evil. Anger, resentment, jealousy, a critical spirit, and unkindness. It's so easy for us to get caught up in our own whirlwind of things to do that we can forget who we are, his servants, and we can forget how needy we are of him. And when we do, we lose sight that it is his strength and his words which help us persevere in our service and that he is the one who gives us the wisdom to know what is truly important. Being with Jesus shapes our heart attitude so that we are willing to acknowledge and to repent of our pride and put aside the things that are not necessary so that our serving brings honor to him. Let's look again at one last bitter fruit that we see in Martha's sinfully distracted heart. We see it in Jesus' words to her in verse 42. Let me read beginning in verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. This tells us that what Mary had chosen had eternal value. But these words also reveal to us something very disturbing that's going on inside of Martha. Martha had become so bitter over Mary's choice that she wanted to take away from her what she had found in being near 
Jesus. Martha was deceived into thinking that her distracted service was most important. And she began to despise her sister's wholehearted eagerness to receive instruction from Jesus because it left her alone in her distracted service. And just like Martha, our service can never be pleasing to the Lord when it comes from a heart that is self-centered. See, this was Martha's heart issue. Jesus knew that Martha's heart was not right. Now again, there's no doubt that Martha loved Jesus, but she was completely blind to the sin in her own heart at this point. Her misguided idea of what it meant to serve had to be exposed so that she could repent of it. And Jesus was faithful to do that. Look at what Jesus said to Martha to expose her sinful heart, to expose her mistaken idea of what it meant to serve him. We see it in verses 41 and 42. A heart set right. It's number four in your outline. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. See, the searcher of hearts knew Martha's heart. It was obvious by her words and her actions that she was outwardly upset. But Jesus knew what was going on inside of Martha. And so, like a tender parent, Jesus exposed Martha's sin and gave her the gentle rebuke that she needed. Martha, Martha. The repetition of Martha's name by Jesus reveals marked disapproval, to be sure. But it also revealed his love for her. It is intended to bring her back gently. There is a sense of tender affection and grace in Jesus' concern for Martha. She needed to be lovingly yet firmly rebuked because she had failed to choose what was necessary. Jesus helped her to understand that she had an exaggerated view of what was necessary. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-six tells us, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus' words are the balm that Martha needed. She needed to see that her heart was distracted and worried and bothered. She needed to see that she was unwilling to look within her own heart to see her sin. That in only looking outside of herself, she had been making an inaccurate diagnosis of what she sensed was wrong with those around her. Whenever we stop and criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel overworked, it's a good, good sign that it's time that we examine our own 
hearts. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we have been ignoring the Lord. Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do, but rather her problem was that she had allowed her work to distract her and pull her away from Jesus. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then something is terribly wrong with our service. Something is terribly wrong with our hearts. Jesus knew that Martha needed to understand that her serving at this point was not pure. Who was the focal point of Martha serving at this point? Right, she was. Therefore, Jesus was not honored by Martha's service, and he had no intention of defending it. Jesus knew what Martha needed. He knew that there was only one thing. One thing. It was what Mary had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. And we must choose to feast on his word and not allow our hearts to wander into excessive service. Now, did Martha heed Jesus' loving yet firm rebuke? We don't know exactly, but from your homework, you looked up John 12, and you might have noticed in this passage that just six days before Jesus went to the cross, we find him again in Bethany, once again eating supper, and it says Martha was serving. This time, there is no rebuke, no account of her interrupting, just serving. And so I think we have reason to at least hope that Martha's heart attitude had changed. And that gives us great hope, doesn't it? It reminds us of the faithfulness of our great shepherd. And then in verse 42, we see a heart that feasts. It's number five on your outline. The rest of Jesus' response commends Mary's choice when he said, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. She had chosen the one thing that truly mattered. Instead of being distracted and allowing her heart to become divided, Mary chose the one thing that ended all distraction and division of heart. She had chosen the good part. She chose to be near Jesus so that she could take in his words. And we too must discipline ourselves to that. It is a choice that we make. Mary was very intentional in what she chose. And if we are to choose what Jesus said is the good part, we have to plan for that. It is a commitment of time and effort. If we are to have the one thing that is necessary, then we may have to reevaluate our schedules and our priorities. 
and make whatever changes are necessary so that we have room for this choice. Have you ever noticed that we don't have to plan for our hearts to drift? It just happens if we do nothing, right? But we do have to plan to meet with Jesus in his word. We don't have to plan for self-importance that would keep us away from his word. But we do have to plan for Jesus' importance to increase in our lives. In the midst of Mary's service, she chose something that led her from her service in order to improve her service. Certainly, her time at Jesus' feet, taking in his word, would have changed maybe how she would have stepped back into her preparations alongside of Martha, how her service would have been better, how Martha would have been ministered to by a woman whose heart had been near to Jesus. The whole atmosphere of her service had the potential for now being infused with the aroma of Christ from her time being with him. Do you see the important lesson in this for us? As his servants, we must be very wise in the use of our time in order to get our hearts ready to serve others by taking in his word, by being near to our Savior so that we can enter back into our service with a heart that is refreshed and prepared to serve, relying on God's grace with a service that is honoring to him. What we do with our hearts every morning or during nap time or whenever you find that time in your day and throughout our day, coming before God with a humble, submissive heart will make more of an impact on, in our, serve, on our service, in our homes, in our small groups, in our Sunday service, in our school, in our job, than anything else we might do. This is the choice that we continually make. We all can be distracted by so many things. Excessive service can be a temptation in any area of our lives. Extending care to those in our homes and allow and those outside of our homes is right. It's good. But allowing that care to distract us from spending time with God in his word is not choosing what Jesus said is the one thing necessary. In a sermon Spurgeon gave on this passage, he said, you are not losing time while you are feeding the soul. Isn't it, isn't it a temptation sometimes to believe the opposite of that? But we are not losing time when we are feeding our souls. Martha was interested in accomplishing, but Mary was interested in a person. 
She was consumed with Christ. She chose to feast on his words. Mary saw Jesus for who he was. Therefore, she disciplined herself to make the choice to be near her portion. Listen to some of these verses that describe God as our portion. Hear the hope that the psalmist finds in knowing God in this way. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. To be close to God and to have him as one's portion is to have a heart that is teachable and eager to learn. This is the single-mindedness that we see in Mary. We sense her wholehearted love for her Savior, that nothing would tear her away from him. Mary chose what would benefit her heart and what would ultimately benefit those around her. When we, like Mary, choose this treasure, we will never be disappointed. That is a treasure that will never be taken away from us. And how do we know that? We have the privilege of being able to look back on the cross and all that Jesus accomplished there. And we need to remember that, especially in light of this passage. Listen to all that we have been warned against. We've been warned that good intentions don't guarantee a good outcome. We've seen that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd them back to Jesus. We saw that we can easily misjudge what is necessary in our service and that when we do, we can so easily allow it to lead us down a path to sinful distraction so that we miss the very one we are serving. And we saw that we can also allow other things to distract us from a heart that is fixed on Jesus. The fear of man or selfishness or other misplaced priorities. We were warned that when we find our hearts carried away like Martha's was, It is because we have chosen to hold weakly to Christ. And we saw that a sinfully distracted heart bears bitter fruit, blaming self-centeredness, an attitude of entitlement, pride, judgment, and bitterness, and all the while being blind to the very dangerous place to which our hearts have wandered. We can so easily sin against those closest to us right in the middle of serving them. And so we need to heed these warnings. We need to repent where God exposes sin to us. And we need to remember in the midst of conviction that we can find encouragement. There is always hope. Jesus knew that we would be women just like Martha, who needed to be forgiven and cleansed and made new 
And so he died and he rose again for us. And we need to remember that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in how gently Jesus restored Martha. Jesus told Martha that she was worried and bothered about so many things. And you and I get worried and bothered about many things. And so we can rejoice that Christ died for our sinfully worried and bothered hearts. And remember that if we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sinful worry and distraction or any of its bitter fruit. But we now have the ability to say no to that sin because we are slaves to Christ. We can diligently pursue holiness. And so even when we find that we have become distracted, we can flee right back to our master. And we can cry out and confess to him how much we need him. And he will be faithful to help us to reorder our priorities and our hearts. I want to end with this quote from Ryle's commentary on Luke. He wrote, Mary chose what was for the benefit of her soul. She was seeking more grace. She was striving after closer communion with God and his Christ. This was the portion which she preferred to everything else and to which she was willing for a time to postpone all earthly care. Those who seek such a portion will never be disappointed. Their treasure will never be taken away from them. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. I'm thankful, particularly during this busy time of year that we are about to enter into. Father, we acknowledge that our hearts are so easily distracted and we can become anxious and bothered by so many things when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. Father, we can so easily be led down a path of sinful distraction right in the middle of our serving others. And most of all, you. And so, Father, we plead with you. We ask you for help. That as we enter into this busy time of year, would you help us to remember how much we need you. That we would not neglect to fill our hearts with you in your word so that we can bring that into our service. And Father, when we can see the sin that so easily creeps into and spoils our service, that we would immediately confess and repent and run back to you and that you would fill our hearts with what we need so that we can then enter back into service in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. Oh, Father, how much we need you.
And so we thank you that you are so faithful to give us the help that we need. I pray now that as we go into our discussion groups, that we would continue to learn from you and from one another. Father, thank you for this body. Thank you that we can learn from each other. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.